All right? Last year, or last week, uh, my family was in Toronto, and uh, I was praying for you guys. I, I was the only one in my family to get up and go to church last week. Oh! <laughs> but as I was worshiping last Sunday morning, they started at 9.30 in Toronto uh, at the church where my brother-in-law is one of the pastors. And I was just sitting there worshiping, and I knew that the uh, worship team was probably practicing and that Pastor Mark was preparing. And uh, I was praying for you guys, and I heard last week was just incredible. And, uh, and so I want to say thanks to the worship team, and thanks, uh, Pastor Mark's not here, but Julie, make sure you, you thank Pastor Mark. He talked last week, I listened to online this week, uh, he talked about New Year's resolutions and making plans that will lead you to success. If you were here last week, I know you're blessed. And let me just take a quick poll. How many of us, including myself, have made a plan this year to do something different or to kind of reevaluate something in our lives, whether it's fitness or something with our finances, something with our family, something with uh, relationships. Uh, anybody at all make some plans? Yeah, I know we do. And it's a great time of the year to do that, right at the start of the year. It's a natural time to consider what is success going to look like in our lives? What is success going to look like for our church? And so we evaluate our lives. We refocus. And then oftentimes, at the beginning of the year, it's a natural time to re-energize. And we've done some evaluation as a church. And if you've been with us through the fall, uh, we did some small groups. Um, we got small groups of people together, and we asked the church, what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, and what's confusing about our church? And we've been studying that data from that evaluation from the fall. And what's interesting is that as I met, I think we met nine or ten different homes in small groups of people, there was some common themes that kind of emerged. And we're going to be addressing some of those things uh, early this year as we continue to move forward. And what was awesome is every single group that we met with, there was a heart that as a church, we want to be successful. We want to be growing. And words like a move of God is what we're asking God for or revival, or a touch like we haven't experienced up to this point as a church. These are some of the things that you guys were saying, hey, these are some of the things we desire as a church, and we want to come around those things and refocus. And in the next three weeks, I'm going to re-examine what's important to us, who we are as a church, and we're going to sharpen our focus and we want to define what success will look like at the Gateway Church. Is that fair? Because we want to know what the bullseye is. Now, I want to say that success for the church, or for us at the Gateway Church, we want it to be God-focused, right? But on the other side, there's the world system of success, where there's a lot of personal responsibility, and where the success comes that it's deserved or earned, there's, it's a merit that if you do this, this, and this, there will be success to follow. Even in the church, we see glimpses of that. There's, there's symptoms or there's uh, systems that you follow, and you're measured by what you do or what you accomplish or what you accumulate as a church. In our own lives, we see this, that, that you say, okay, well, you're a measure of success. If you can graduate from high school and go to college and get a college degree, there's a measure of success uh, in most of our minds, 
that's a worldly system of success. Or you say, well, I'm going to save a certain amount of money so I can retire at the age of 40. That would be success. How many think that sounds good, right? Too late. <laughs> or you say, hey, I will be a success if I go through life, I get married and have kids. Or if I buy a house, or if I drive a certain car, these are worldly measures of success. And even in the church, we say, well, we'll be a success if we hit a certain attendance uh, goal. Or if we have a certain, certain type of building. And certainly there are some Christians that, that talk a, 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 what I call a, a prosperity gospel. That if you are a success, if, if God is blessing you and you, you pull up in a nice Cadillac or something like that. But today, I want us to see success as God sees it. And I think it's important as a church to see that, not only for, uh, for us corporately, but also individually, because it's very different from the world's ideas of success. And just to give you an idea of what, what I mean, just think of Joseph's story. We, we read through the book of Genesis in the fall, uh, a lot of us did. And in Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 and 2, uh, Joseph at this time in his life um, is probably at one of the lowest points of his life. He had lost everything. His family had sold him away. He has nothing. He knows no one. He's been sold. He's a slave far from the world's idea of success. And listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph, and he, though he was a slave, was a successful and prosperous man. Okay, just to give you an idea, that's different than what the world, everyone in the world would have looked at Joseph and said, this guy is a loser. I mean, he's been sold, his family didn't want him, nothing to do with it. And so the, today, what I want us to do is to kind of refocus and to look at godly success, to look at the favor of God. And it's not what you do, not what you accomplish, not what you accumulate, but godly success comes from who you know. It comes from who you know, and we'll explain this as we kind of move along. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter four. Great story. Luke chapter four. Jesus, uh, it's early in his ministry. He had been baptized by John the Baptist, and that's a great story. And uh, I've been redoing, I started a new Bible plan at the beginning of the year, and I've already been through this portion of Luke. And while I was reading it, it just, some, some things jumped out in chapter four to me uh, that were just really significant in my life. And I want to share a little bit of that. Um, chapter 4, uh, Jesus is led into the desert. He's fasting and praying for 40 days. No drink, no water. Uh, it's a supernatural fast. Don't try to do that. You will die. But Jesus did it, all right? And then in uh, verse 14, he returns to Galilee. He returns to his own town where he was born and raised. And then he's at the synagogue, and uh, the, the custom is that they would pass the scroll around, the Bible, and they would open it up, and they would read. And so the scrolls passed around to Jesus. He opens it up. He unrolls it, verse 17. The scroll of uh, the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. He unrolled it, and he found the place where it was written. And this is what he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to say favor with me for a second. 
favor. Then he rolled it up, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Interesting story. He rolls it up and says, hey, I am proclaiming. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The year of the Lord's favor. Favor. Success. And if you look at Isaiah 61, you may want to flip there. It's actually a fuller um, uh, transition, or um, um, a fuller scripture of what Jesus was reading. And what did favor look like? What did the year of the Lord's favor look like? Good news was preached to the poor. Comfort for the brokenhearted. Freedom to the captives. Prisoners are set free. Comfort to those who are mourning. Provision during grief. No more ashes, but gladness. No more mourning. No more despair. But instead, in the end of that little section in Isaiah 61, it says to be clothed in garments of praise. What does success look like? Wow, the Lord's favor is amazing. And I just want to say, as your pastor, whether you consider it a prophetic word, I wrote it in my notes, it's in my spirit, I am declaring 2012 to be a year of the Lord's favor upon us and upon your family. Amen? And the results are amazing, what that means. But how do we receive that kind of favor? How does that happen? There is an incredible verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to turn with me there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. And I want you to read it in the Amplified Version because it gives a little deeper, little, uh, little more insight here. It's interesting in the New Testament, when you see the word grace, that means God's favor. And you see that translated here in the Amplified. We got it up here, and you can uh, read along on the screen as well. But listen to what it says. It says, may, may grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears and agitating passions, I love that, and moral conflicts, be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What I want you to see here is that God's grace, God's favor, success comes through a knowledge of God. But that word knowledge is more than just a head knowledge. It's a knowing deep inside, an experiential knowledge. Knowing God personally, relationship, and what I want you to see is that nowhere in this verse, or even, even close, before or after, does it say that success, or God's favor, or God's grace, comes by what you have done, or by what you have accomplished, or by what you have accumulated. Godly success, it is who you know. Look back at Genesis 39, verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. And because of that, he was successful. So what does success look like? I want to bring you to our first idea with our connecting, connecting with God. Our connection with God, the, our relationship with God will determine our success. Not in a worldly sense, 
but it's certainly in a spiritual sense. And how many would say, that sounds good? My connection with God. And you'd say, well, who would reject this? The idea is, if I want to be successful, I must grow in my relationship with God. Pure and simple. And that's easy, right? Well, maybe not. What God wants to say this morning is that he wants to proclaim to the people of the lakeshore that he cares for the poor. He longs to break the bonds of poverty. He wants to restore what the locusts have eaten. He wants to free prisoners, to deliver people from captivity, to release us from pressures, from stress, from burdens, from all kinds of trouble. And the thing is, we cannot be silent. This is not our little secret here at the Gateway Church. Michigan has been wounded, has been battered. People are hungry for this message of the year of the Lord's favor. And they need to experience that in their lives. I need to experience that more than ever. We need this. And it comes not by what we've done, but by who we know. Let's look back at Luke chapter 4. Interesting, as the story goes on, Jesus stands up, he undoes the scroll, he says, I'm declaring the year of the Lord's favor, and then he says that uh, uh, this scripture is fulfilled to you today in your hearing. And then he goes on, they were amazed, it says, at the gracious words that came from his lips. And the people there, in his own hometown, in Nazareth, they're saying, isn't that Joseph's son? And they're starting to question whether what Jesus just said would really, truly happen. And then Jesus goes on, he explains that basically in the next section there, that a prophet is not uh, well-liked in his own town. A prophet is not accepted. And then after he says this, and he gives an example about Elijah, and, then, and you can read it about, and then Elisha, uh, excellent. But then it says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard what Jesus was saying. You say, well, what in the world? He's declaring the year of God's favor. All these things, you know, good, good news to the poor, brokenhearted, be, be set free, uh, no more ashes, no more, all, no more mourning, but praise, garments of praise. And then they're saying that they're angry, that they were furious. They got up, they drove him out. They actually wanted to kill Jesus at that moment. And then I love what it says. Jesus was able to slip through the crowd, almost as if he wasn't there, and he escapes. And of course, he's not touched. But it was the Nazarenes that wanted to kill Jesus. Those from Nazareth for declaring the year of God's favor. Declaring God's grace of protection and of deliverance that he would restore, that he would uh, transform us into wholeness, that we would experience success beyond natural or in uh, our, our natural intelligence or our natural qualifications or abilities. And who was it that was rejecting? It was those from his hometown. They were familiar with who Jesus was. They're saying, isn't that Joseph's son? And they rejected. They overlooked what Jesus was saying. And I want to say this to us. And I don't want to beat you up this morning, but my hunch is that there are many that are here this morning that reject the word of the Lord 
that God wants to bring a year of favor. You reject it or certainly don't embrace it. And you say, well, why would that be? It's because church has become familiar, perhaps. You've heard it all before. Maybe you're stagnant in your walk with the Lord. and You haven't been growing the way God intends you to grow. And because of the familiarity, the story, you know you've been through the Bible before, or maybe, maybe you know, you've, you've kind of grown up in church. You reject it, or certainly don't embrace the word of the Lord and God's favor, God's grace in your life. And let me say, do not overlook God's favor, His grace in 2012. God is not familiar. God is not boring. He's not old. His word is not elementary. It's not the same. It's it's always the same, but it's revelation knowledge. And there is new revelation for you this year. There is unmerited favor ready for you in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Unmerited favor will flow into every area of your life when you come face to face with Jesus. It's who you know. Success is not what you've done, but who you have in your heart. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, we talked about it. It says, may God's grace... May the favor of God be multiplied, not added, but multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. It's knowing God. The key is knowing God, being connected with God, and it starts with salvation. God's saving grace is available to you this morning and to your family members and your neighbors, those on the lakeshore that need to hear his saving grace. I love the story in the New Testament, the the woman that was caught in adultery and she was brought before the people and they were going to stone her and kill her. And Jesus said, wait a second. He drew a line in the sand. He said, hey, whoever is here who has not sinned, you be the first one to throw the stone. And they all walk away. That's God's grace. And God's grace is here for us this morning for forgiveness of sin. If you don't know the Lord this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity this morning to make your life right with God. Or maybe you're away from the Lord, and maybe it's been a long time since you've committed your life, or, com- or maybe you feel like you're, you're a thousand miles away from God. Today is the day of salvation. God's grace starts with salvation. But the awesome thing about God's grace, it doesn't just stop there. God's grace continues when we face challenges. Think about your life for a second. Are there areas in your life where you're lacking? Maybe lacking in wisdom or knowledge? Maybe lacking in finances? Maybe lacking in relationships? God's grace is there to meet you right where you are. How about your life? Is there a fear in your life? When you look at your life and you say, boy, you know, there's fear that grips me. Or maybe there's some addiction, drugs or alcohol, or there's a whole slew of other addictions that, that may have a hold on your life. You know what? God's grace is sufficient. His favor is there to help you through. 
broken relationships? How many just came through a season of uh, family and maybe you were with some family members that you couldn't stand? And we talked a little bit about that at Christmas and, you know, just a hard, how hard it is sometimes for families to get together. Maybe there's some broken relationship. Maybe moms and dads that don't, don't talk anymore. Or maybe sons don't talk to their dads. Or maybe, uh, you know, an aunt and uncle or grandma and grandpa. Those broken relationships, God wants to intervene and he wants his grace to be sufficient his favor to rest in those circumstances. How does that happen? By a relationship with the Lord. The closer you are to the Lord, the more grace is covers those things. Remember the results of favor? It's protection and deliverance, restoration, prosperity, success beyond what your natural intelligence could bring. Success in qualifi- uh, more than your qualifications, more than your ability. That's what God offers. And how does that happen? It's with a connection with the Lord. I love to study the Apostle Paul. How many like the, to read uh, some of Paul's writings? Well, it, in uh, Philippians, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. There is a, some insight here into Paul's nature and what Paul desired. And how many know if Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, one of the greatest apostles to ever live, may, uh, arguably the, the greatest apostle to ever live, if he had a passion uh, in his life, uh, we could learn from that and kind of model from that. Uh, amen? Uh, well, Philippians chapter 3, we get a picture of Paul's heart. And I want you to see this. He says this. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. It's an interesting verse. Paul said, I want it more than anything, more than anything, I want to know Christ. In the Amplified Version, I don't think I've uh, added this one in your notes here, but listen to what it says in the Amplified. It, it's so, uh, so rich. It, in Philippians 3.10, it says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Now, I don't care who you are this morning, how long you've known the Lord, there's a depth in relationship with the Lord that is offered for all of us. None of us have arrived. In the depth of our relationship, it comes back to what is our desire. What is it that God wants us to do? And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself in the next season, and we're going to talk about the next three weeks. I'm going to call you to a season of prayer like you've never prayed before. And with that, the Bible often talks about praying and fasting. And I'm going to ask that at a minimum that we would fast as a body of believers for the next three Wednesdays. For the next three Wednesdays, I want you to fast. And you may, God may call you to fast even more than that. Certainly, uh, I'm going to do uh, some uh, deeper fasting and prayer. 
But I'm going to believe that get through this time that God is going to touch us as a body and move us forward into some realms that we have not experienced as a body of believers. And so the next three Wednesday nights, I want to invite you out to uh, three worship and prayer nights. 6.30 to 7.45 for an hour and 15 minutes. We are going to seek the face of God. We'll have live worship. And we want to be on our knees seeking God together. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. There's going to be child care. We are not doing youth. We're asking the youth to come and to participate. There'll be a part for the youth each, each of those weeks. There'll be stuff for the children and for the young kids. And we want you to do that. Because... It's in those types of atmospheres that we know Christ even deeper. I'm also going to challenge you in your Bible reading this year. I, just, I mentioned earlier that I started a new Bible program, and maybe many of you have done that. Uh, but we know God's Word is life, and it's not the amount that you read, but it's the little bits and pieces that are life to us, that speak to us each and every day, that is so important. And so we're going to challenge each other in some Bible reading, some personal, personal responsibility. And then even in our worship, as we move through the next couple weeks, we're going to ask God to touch us in a deeper, more passionate way. Um, I think last week they mentioned how Eric, uh, Efkin, and then Brendan, who's in the back here, uh, we, we've asked these guys to connect with us for the next nine weeks. Well, at this point, like eight weeks. And uh, we're asking God for some direction in that area. But we're asking God to use these guys as team leaders to work with our team to see God break through in the area of worship. And I believe God's going to do that and help us. So the next three weeks are critical. What do you need to do? I want you to fast with us on these next three Wednesdays at a minimum. I want you to be in God's word, praying for God's revelation on a daily basis. And then in our worship, believe for a deeper, more passionate um, touch from God. Because the result of that would be just what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that we would know Christ in the power of his resurrection. See, the fact is, is that favor, God's grace, comes from knowing Jesus, from tarrying in his presence at his altar. It's all about who you know. This past weekend, last Sunday, after I went to church and we got back, we were in Toronto, we made our way to Detroit. It was my grandma's birthday on New Year's Day, which is cool. And just kind of a neat little story. For her birthday, she invites all the family, all the grandkids, and anyone else that really wants to come out to dinner, and she pays for it. She says, what I want for my birthday is for my family to be together. And I thought, man, that's cool. We haven't been able to do that in several years, but this year we were able to join my family. And afterwards, we went to her house, uh, and we ended up spending the night there. And late in the night, um, she, was, she was talking, and some of the family was still there, and she was just asking, what are you believing God for? Well, what's God doing? At, she was asking this of, of me and my cousins and, and uh, some of the other ones, my aunts and uncles. You know, what, what's happening in your life? And just, just a neat time to share. And, uh, and I, you know, so I shared a little bit what's happening here at the church and how we gave away all those personal care products and uh, 
uh, that just the week before, which was exciting. And I guess you guys saw the video last week for those that were here. That should be online. I, I sent a link to those that are connected with us that way. And uh, so you can kind of watch that, and, which is really cool. And uh, Alicia, you did an awesome job on that in short notice. Thank you for putting that together. But anyway, so I was sharing all that. And then I asked my grandma, I said, Grandma, what are you believing God for? I mean, she's, uh, my grandma and grandpa are, I mean, spiritual giants in my life. They pray for my family by name, Jessica and Ben and Reagan and Logan, and then all the other aunts and uncles and grandmas and or, uh, uh, nephews and nieces and whatever. Uh, every day, by name, they pray for us, which is really cool. But I said, Grandma, what are you believing for? And you know what she said? She said, I'm praying that we would grow in grace. And I was like, Really? I knew where God was taking us as a church to talk about God's favor and how grace is interpreted as the Lord's favor. I said, well, Grandma, that, that's what we're, we're talking about. And the thing about it, she said, she said, it's totally undeserved, but it's available for every single one of us if we desire it, if we go after it not only in salvation, but in every area of our lives. We need the grace of God. And this morning, as the worship team comes back, I want to just ask you, do you deserve this grace? No, not a chance, right? None of us do. None of us deserve that. But I want you to know that God's grace is available. And it's almost as if God, this morning, is giving us an invitation to experience more of his grace this year. And so this morning, as we come to a close, I want us to consider our own lives. And I would like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm wondering this morning, by a show of hands, how many here this morning would say, Pastor, I do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I would like to have a relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning that would respond in that way, saying, yep, that's me. Pray for me. I want to know that I know that Jesus is my Savior. see your eyes again, okay? As your pastor, our measure of success is not by how many people we put in these pews. Although we're believing God to fill these and to multiply our services. And, and as we move through this year, that God is going to position us for continued growth. We believe that but our success is not measured by our attendance. Our success is not even by our building. We rent this facility, many of you know that, and it's in our heart, and we've talked about it, that at some point in 2012, we'd like to figure out what is next for us as far as building. 
But a building is not going to measure our success. You understand what I'm saying? Our success solely and perfectly is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. God's favor, God's grace, God's success, the year of the Lord's favor comes only by knowing Christ. In Philippians 3.10, knowing Him deeply. And if this morning, if you are here, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been, if you say, Pastor, I desire to grow in the grace of the Lord. I desire to, to connect with a year of favor. I'm going to ask this morning that you would stand right where you are and say, yep, I'm declaring a year of the Lord for me. Yeah, Hallelujah. absolutely. Amen. Praise God. That if that's your desire to, to grow in the Lord, then I'm going to challenge you in a couple areas that in the next three weeks, would you fast and pray? Would you eliminate some things out of your life and, and commit to pray? Would you get back in God's word and let that enrich you? Would you be praying that our worship would go deeper and more intimate with God? And could we focus together that we, as a body of believers, would know Christ and in the power of his resurrection? I want us, we have some time this morning. I want us to close our eyes this morning right where you are. You may want to slip out and find a spot here to pray, and I'd encourage that. But right where you are, at the minimum, I want you to close your eyes. And in your own words, I want you just to tell the Lord exactly what's happening in your heart. Say, God, I want to know you more. I want godly success. I want to see success in a different way. And you may want to lift your hands and say, God, I worship you this morning. I worship you this morning. God, we honor you this morning. We thank you, God, for your touch on our lives. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to know you, God. We want to know you, God. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. We lift you up, God. We lift you up, Lord. Praise your name. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. We sang a song earlier that I lift my hands up. And I want us to do that together. I want us to lift our hands. If you're uncomfortable, you don't have to, but let's just, as a sign together in unity, just lift our hands. You can lift it like this, or like this, or like this. Anyway, it's fine. Or like this. But let's do it together. Everyone here, lift our hands. And let's just sing those words. I lift my hands. All right? Let's. I lift hands to As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You 
Faithful God. 